Well, good day, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining John and I for another episode in our series on the practices of discipleship. You know, those practices and disciplines that God has given us, Jesus has modeled for us, and the Spirit has empowered us on this journey to become more like Him. Good day, John. How are you doing today? Doing great. You can call me Papa John, you know, Brandon. <laughs> oh, that's you, right. <laughs> new grandfather still glowing and, you know, and the basking in the glow of being a new, uh, new grandfather. Good. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm doing well myself and I'm excited to jump into today's topic and definitely um, because I get to share the benefit of this practice and what it's been in my life, but also to talk about the, the beauty um, of it. And, and hopefully, hopefully we can challenge some people today on their misperceptions around it. And that today we're, what we're going to be talking about is the practice of solitude. Um, a word that really doesn't have, at least for me and, and what I've seen a very positive connotation um, in our culture and in our world today. So, you know, why don't we start there? This word solitude, like I said, we don't use it often and we could easily think of something like solitary confinement from, from prison, um, something meant to punish an individual. So it might be good to say, you know, what we mean as Jesus followers when we talk about the practice uh, of solitude. John, why don't you help us out there with a definition, an idea of what solitude is? Okay, no, that's great. Happy to do that. And maybe one of the, the simplest ways to do that, Brandon, is to say that um, solitude is being with God apart from being with people. So it's not isolation or aloneness in that way. I, I'd love to uh, read a, a quote from Dallas Willard, a very well-renowned um, author and, and teacher in the spiritual practices. He says this, he says, in solitude, we purposely abstain from interaction with other human beings, denying ourselves companionship and all that comes from our conscious interaction with others. We close ourselves away. It's choosing to be alone, alone from people, but to dwell on our experience of isolation from other human beings. In solitude, we find the perspective from which we can see in the light of eternity, the creative things that trap us, worry us, and oppress us. What we find of Christ in solitude enables us to return to society as free persons. So, Brandon, you can see that there is a connection with God, but like Isaiah, you know, in, in the Old Testament, when you see God clearly, you see your own sin, you see things in yourself that you wouldn't have seen unless you were with God alone. And when that interaction happens, you leave there more free, you know, to be the person that God's called you to be in the world. Yeah, that's good. So I just, I, I want to clarify and just make sure. So what you're talking about here when you're saying solitude is just that um, it, this isn't a, a confinement a, a type of, of punishment. This is literally getting away, move, removing ourselves almost from the stimuli, from the, all the stimuli of people, social media, any kind of interaction to, to purposefully and intentionally get alone um, with God. Is that really yeah. kind of the heart of what okay yeah um so if that's if that's a why does god desire um for me to do that what what, what is it what does he want to interrupt in my life and what is it causing me to focus on um well if you think of if you think of um the heart of our faith is that there is a relationship that we have with god and the idea of being alone with god it's already leaning into the answer to your good question brandon is is there's a, a sense of fellowship and communication. You know, I think one of the best ways for, for me to explain this is my experience of my marriage with Carissa. Uh, you know, we had a wonderful engagement uh, experience, loved being together. We got married 
started living together and of course <laughs> and we found out that you know that having super quality time wasn't automatic things got in the way you, uh, work uh, eventually children got in the way projects around the house and so we found the practice of having a date night where we we got away from all of those things to be alone with each other right and there was a level of conversation and connection there that we would take back into our home and back into our work back into our reasonable busyness that really bled over, you know, and gave us grace with each other in every other area of our life. And so that's the way I see is that God's given us this gift of solitude as a, a significant quality time bubble, so to speak, that can permeate every area of our life. Uh, thank you, John. That was, a, that was a fantastic example. Just the idea of cultivating any type of relationship requires right. this kind of solitude and um, with each other. But, you know, let's look at Jesus, you know, who are, who is our, our model, our hero. And yes, he was fully God, but also fully human. Um, and so he, like you and with Chris and nurtured his relationship, you know, with, with his father, with God. So where do we specifically see Jesus practicing solitude during his time on earth? Yeah. I love that question because a lot of times we can come to the gospels and ask questions, where do we see him healing or loving? But this one isn't asked necessarily as often, is it, you know? And so I love those little verses that are tucked in, especially the book of Luke, uh, the book of Mark and the very opening chapter that Jesus, it was his practice. It, you know, the verb tense was, this was something he did ongoing repeatedly that he would get up before dawn before the disciples were making breakfasts and arguing or whatever and he <laughs> went out alone not not to be alone alone but to be with his father alone and the impact of that coming back into the he knew where he needed to go he could hear the voice of his father in the midst uh, and then there was these moments so there was these mornings and then you could just tell that he had even when he was with surrounded by people he had this ability right to hear the father and you can imagine him walking away on the road having these moments where he could pull away and hear the father and then there was these extended times uh, that the gospels really make clear brandon where where he gets away from the crowds and the disciples and he goes up to the mountain for not just an hour not just for a little morning time but like an extended period of time and it seems like these three moments uh, these extended periods and these regular mornings was kind of like a, a pattern, a rhythm uh, for his life that affected everything he did. Yeah. Um, you know, these stories are impactful uh, for Jesus, but John, how, how is there a story from your life um, where this practice of solitude uh, and its benefits were clearly evident to you? Yeah, for me, uh, my early experience of solitude came just literally weeks, Brandon, after uh, I made a decision to follow Jesus at uh, a Young Life camp uh, after I graduated from high school. I spent four months living in France. This was before there was email, Zoom, any kind of communication except letters. And so I had this incredible experience with Christ in community at a camp and then I got on an airplane and was living with a family in France speaking French all the time when I was with people but then had my own apartment above uh, the, the host family where I was living and so I had all of this 
alone time. And what I had learned in, in my time at, at uh, that camp was some practices. So like if you have that alone time, here's something you can do in that alone time. So I learned how to study the Bible and I practiced that. But I had this time every night, you know, coming back from work where there was no television, there was really not, there was no social media. And so for those four months, that became a practice. And so when I later went back and, and started college, it was kind of natural for me to think about, well, listen, I've got to find a place to, in the midst of all this dorm life. I found cubby holes, you know, in my dorm and times to have solitude. And eventually, you know, uh, I moved into an apartment and created a little uh, a little room that was uh, an extra room in the apartment building that was cleared out for me to be able to have solitude. So that very first four months, you know, where I was forced into it, Brandon actually set a pattern that led into um, not only college, but beyond just the practice of getting away and getting along with Christ. Wow, that's good. That's good, John. And what, you know, so it's, I know there's some people out there that can, that'll look and say, well, this is Jesus and this fully God part, you know, kind of takes over. And of course he could do a practice like this. And um, others might say what a blessing it was for you to have such an opportunity to, to cultivate such a skill that you were almost forced into it that has right. benefited you you know, um, throughout your life. Uh, but there are some real obstacles that, that people today have to over, you know, as you mentioned, social media, which you didn't have back then. Um, there's some the real obstacles that we need to overcome in order to explore uh, the benefit of this practice. So what obstacles have you observed um, that have been keeping people from making this gift and practice of solitude a regular part of their lives? Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I would say uh, there's a lot actually one of them might be the, uh, the addictive nature of social media, that when we have an opportunity to be away from a commitment or to need to be with people, we're drawn to just pick up our phone. I mean, how many hundreds of times do we look at our phone every day? So there's a dopamine act. Um, uh, there's a part of the addiction that, that just draws us in and we get rewarded when we do that in a way that solitude doesn't initially reward us. Mm -hmm. I think there's silence can be scary, Brandon. I think there's an addiction we can have to noise or to music in the car or whatever, you know. Um, I think busyness is a big part. We can become addicted to kind of going from one thing to the next, it makes us feel important. And solitude can reveal your helplessness and your weakness. And it can uh, reveal your, your false trust, you know, in, in what you do. And I think there's a sense that solitude forces you to see some things about yourself, things surface there. And if you don't want to know those things about yourself, you can avoid it consciously or unconsciously. And I think it can, um, it can you can feel like you're losing control. Some people, I think, have a fear of missing out. It's like, if I'm spending time alone, what's going on out there that I might be missing out? Uh, some people, Brandon, love a, a spontaneous life. And the reality is that people who practice solitude well have to make a commitment to be in a rhythm and to, and to protect this. And some people just say, my, my personality is I'm spontaneous. I just go with the flow. You know, I'm just chilling. And that, that often is a barrier. And I think one that we should talk about is it's how do you get a role model, you know, in solitude, Brandon? I mean, I can model my preaching after somebody. I can model my serving after somebody, my listening if I watch them. But how do we watch people um, in solitude when they're not with us and then we don't talk about it? So a lot of times, what do I do if I get there? Is a real legitimate obstacle as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know that there were many challenges for me and then uh, 
part of, I know, I remember having conversations with you about uh, being able to watch the practice of solitude and just some things that we were able to share at least about what you, what you've done in, in your solitude times. And I can remember a very pivotal moment in my life a few years ago, which we just recently came to actually the two-year anniversary of my mother passing away. Um, and, but after she died, I knew that there were some things that I was going to have to face about this loss. And I remember taking um, a weekend to get away literally by myself where I left my phone um, and everything um, simply so Ooh. that I could face those um, yeah. face those those demons that were there and I know that you you know you were a huge part of helping me cultivate this idea because I did solitude but it was not this kind of solitude it was uh, alone but what you know playing video games or doing um, doing other things like that but cultivating the realness of solitude allowed me um, to enter in at such a time where grief could have taken over where depression could have set in um, and but challenge you know coming against my fear um, and being able to enter into this place and you know, overcoming that barrier of, of getting alone with such um, crazy thoughts, you know, especially after my, my mother had passed away. Um, but that's, you know, that kind of leads us into the next thing is, you know, had I not taken that time um, to really get alone with God and allow God to heal me and speak to some parts, I think there would have been some, some huge things that I'd be missing out on in my own yep. life. Um, and so John, what is the real and the potential danger for us if we don't begin to integrate this practice more fully into, you know, into our lives? What do you see? Hmm. It's another really good question. And I, I can, um, if I can uh, jump back to that image of a married couple, I, I have this image over the years of going to restaurants and there are couples in restaurants, Brandon, I'm sure you've seen them and you can tell that they've been married a long time. They're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they don't talk to each other the entire meal. And I, I always wonder how did they get there over time, you know? And uh, I think one of the, the real dangers of not having quality time alone with God in solitude is like a slow drift. And you, you, you can become surfacey rather than becoming intimate. You can focus on the day-to-day -day practicals of life, but you don't deal with feelings that are deep or forgiveness that needs to take place or shame. Um, and, uh, and so what happens is, is that, that's, that that happens just like it can happen, you know, again, in a marriage, if you don't talk about those things, you can end up at a restaurant in your end of your life, not really communicating because of the walls and the barriers that were never dealt. Same thing with Jesus. And so if you don't address your fears in the prayer, this is what the, the Psalms invite us to do. If we're not being real and away and honest with God, then pretty soon there's these walls that come up and our insight and the way that we see becomes distorted and the wounds between us and God, not because of him, but because of us, they don't end up being healed. And then we lose confidence like, and okay, so who am I? And, and who, and, and do, does God really love me? And if I'm not really sure, do I really want to be with him? And there's a cycle here, right? And then this begins to affect every other aspect of our of our life, how we love other people, how we are with others. And we become, not surprisingly, it's hard to trust God. It's hard to live with peace. So anxiety becomes more and more rampant in our life potentially. And then it's hard to lay down our stress with him because we're not sure we trust him. So I hope I'm just giving you kind of the, the spaghetti nature of this, that when solitude's missing, it just begins to impact almost every other aspect um, of our life, of how we experience community, how we give our lives away in service to others. 
Yeah, and I think it, it's about time we really begin to understand the importance of these practices that, I mean, Jesus used them. I mean, they're, they're here not because they're they're things for us to do just to do. They're, they're really right. uh, matters of, of being able to save our life, um, and especially as we talk about anxiety and these things. And that's, you know, my next question of that is that, um, you know, the kind of, if you were to state things in the positive of all that, of all the things that we're in danger of by not take, you know, by not practicing this, what's the good news? What is Jesus? Uh, what would you, how would you place it? What is Jesus inviting us into, um, you know, uh, obviously a slower life, which includes what, you know, what is the beauty that we get to see um, if we begin to lean into this practice of solitude? Yeah, so I think that's a good question. I think, you know, when I think about my own life in this one, I think about um, the word familiarity, you, almost like uh, the experience of putting on a stiff pair of, of jeans at the beginning of my relationship with Jesus. And over time, when they break in, right, they become your favorite pair of pants, so to speak. Uh, and in other words, for me, one of the things that the beauty of this is the invitation to become familiar. Of course, God is always other. He's always awesome. But there's this sense that I don't have to be afraid that I, and so there's, there's, it's one thing to say I have a relationship with God, but to have the kind of relationship where you can relax, kind of like with a good uh, spouse or a really good best friend, that really can be cultivated in the combination of solitude and ministry and community and all those other aspects. But solitude has a leavening impact to bring a sense of familiarity and relaxing and letting go and then freeing you up to be yourself and to be authentic. Um, and if you can be authentic with God you know, alone, you'll find yourself being authentic with other people in a, in a more natural and easy way. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I would start is the, the gift um, of moving from a, in the head knowledge of relationship, but to actually have a sense of a, of a it's mysterious, but it's, it's a familiarity that breeds life and, uh, and joy and confidence. Yeah, there's a, there's, I mean, as we've, you've been talking about some of the, the chemical releases for, you know, when people get on social media and yeah. one of the, you know, as we develop actually deeper relationships with people, those chemicals that get released are actually more addictive to us, but it takes us a while, um, you know, to get there. And so this idea of familiarity, I mean, it's more than, than just that as those, as that deeper relationship continues to get cultivated, we see, uh, you know, a drop in, in blood pressure, a drop in anxiety, right. and stress, the ability to focus and to be present um, with people, joy and smiles coming. Yes. You know, you're not waking up with a feeling of impending doom. Depression is, mm -hmm. is you know, is, is curbed um, with a lot of these things, not just simply by practicing, but because there's a place for Jesus uh, to do the work that he wants to do um, with all well, of absolutely, us. Absolutely, Brandon. And I would even say um, it's almost like solitude in that sense that you've described becomes addictive because I know it's a gateway to some of those very things you've mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that's so good, John. And I'm, I'm thankful Jesus is patient and always provides us his spirit and strength to help us overcome our shortcomings. But before we sign off, can you give us a few tips as to how to get started um, with this practice? It can be daunting as with any new practice, but what, what might you suggest to help us get moving down the road? 
Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, be patient. I remember being at a, a conference 25 years ago with Richard Foster, very, very well known uh, in our culture and the church culture and around the spiritual practices, wrote the Celebration of Discipline. He talked about prayer, but I remember his last uh, phrase before he entered, en uh, ended the session. He says, take about 20 years and think about this. <laughs> I remember laughing, but the whole thing is I just described to you something that cannot be mastered in a moment. And uh, so I would say, give yourself patience. And by the time you figure out solitude in the season of life you're in now, your season will change. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. So be patient, kind to yourself, and know that God is like a, a parent watching a child learning to walk. He is just joyful that you're trying. So that's a, that's a just embrace the long-term nature of this and that God is with you and patient. I would say, uh, practically speaking, Brandon, one of the things uh, is that don't try to do this 100% alone. Uh, talk to people in your life that you're close to uh, that you want to do this. Maybe find somebody that wants to try with you. And so you can come back and talk about it. What are we learning? Kind of like anything else in life that we learn and grow from. You know, so find a mentor, find a model, uh, encourage each other. Another one would just be is to be aware of your personality style. Uh, for me, I'm an introvert. Um, so being alone was, I was actually kind of drawn to it already, but I'm also a high responsibility routine person. So I need to be aware of the danger of solitude becoming ho-hum and routine and not full of authenticity. So be aware of your personalities, the strengths and weaknesses that you'll bring to um, to a life of uh, a practice of solitude. I think also just have a concrete plan. I know that for spontaneous people, that sounds bad, but it helps so much if you've identified like this is a place in my house or I love to take a walk here. Um, this is a place where I can associate peace and uh, awareness from others um, and find a time of day, you know, typically morning or evening, uh, or even the combination is kind of the rhythm of scripture, even from the creation story, there was evening, there was morning, all through the scripture, there's this morning and evening, even in Jesus. So for me, you know, it's picking a time that I'm going to set my alarm. And in the morning, I, I, that's my best time. And uh, that really helps to have it be consistent rather than every day, what am I going to do today? Um, Think about how you eat meals. You don't think about doing it at two o'clock one day and then at noon the next day you have some, some kind of rhythm. And then I would just say, be aware that, that solitude is just creating that empty space. You know, it's just getting there. Once you get there, be clear what, you know, the small steps you wanna take of, you know, reading the scripture, meditating on the scripture, listening to, to a Christian music, uh, a way of praying, have something that there that solitude has freed you up to try. Remember solitude, it creates the space to do those, that communication with God that you, you know, we all really long for. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, John. And I'm sure there's more to digest in the class and the handout that goes along, you know, with our podcast, practical tools that can help us help us really practice this disciple um, or the, sorry, this discipline of solitude. Are there any uh, final words you'd like to share with us about this practice of solitude? Anything from your story or your learnings? No, I would just say, Hey, take 20 years <laughs> and just grow into it. I mean, that, that word of just being gracious and see it as a gift that like a big pair of pants that you're growing into over a long period of time and know that God's with you in the midst of it all. 
Yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> Take your time, everybody. We and it's a lifetime of this, and Jesus seeks to to partner with us. So thank you all for joining with us. And always, um, as always, it's fun to share with you. Um, remember, John and I are just two disciples. Yep, we're trying to find our place in God's story. Bless you guys. We'll talk to you later.